0: On today's show, we are getting to know Angelica. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire. Someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E the next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pods creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The links in the description and your support of the getting to know you pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much. Here are three free ways to help get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful, so thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs, through our Patreon, or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to know Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. And Angelica is super excited to have an adult conversation with a complete stranger because she is starving for social interaction due to COVID. I found this out just moments ago. Thank you, Angelica, for coming on, letting people get to know more about you and I'm um, Your life, man. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Like, like we just discussed, uh, it's been a long while (laughs) since I've been really meeting new people or having uh, conversations, uh, really good conversations. Uh, Embarrassingly enough, it was actually last week that uh, we really met our neighbors for the first time.
0: So. No way. How long have you been living? Like. So it's only.
1: It's just been about a year. Okay. Uh, coming up now, so I mean, yeah, still a year, right uh, <laughs> and it's like, oh, we finally have uh reached out and went up to each other and hi, and uh uh let's hang out sometime, like let's have a fire in the backyard, uh like it's nice. nice to meet you finally, uh part of it being in Canada, long winter, uh, wow. where you're not outside as much, possibly the so the past few months, we really just don't interact as much uh now that the spring is here. Nice weather has finally come. We're outside a ton. We're all doing yard work. So we're all uh, just bumping into each other more readily. And uh, yeah, that's been just great. Um, Just the nicer weather, getting outside, socializing. uh, But yeah, this is my first time having a sit-down face-to-face conversation with somebody new in a a long while. Everything's been so virtual or even just with masks on and really quick interactions at the grocery stores, gas stations which I'm sure pretty much everyone can relate to
0: as well. It's weird, man, because here in the States, like it really depended what state you lived in. Like Florida, Texas, Idaho, like they never fucking had COVID. It was fine. (laughs) It was like you get to do whatever and they all had these freedoms. And then you hear, especially I guess in Canada, it's still pretty locked down compared to what we are experiencing because Mm -hmm. we're like even in Delaware, which is pretty liberal, um, kids are in kids were in all winter crammed up you could go to sporting events um masks came off right at the end of the winter sporting events but like shows are open shops are open it's um it was normal just government facilities were like the last hold the last wall to be like hey you can go mask free so it's um it's been it's been refreshing the kids are bouncing back finally which is nice because it was like a lot of the kids kept wearing masks on their own for like weeks and almost months in the classroom. And you could tell they just were, especially because it's middle school, they felt very, they didn't know how people would take them. I have a 12 year old daughter and she was even like, I might want to keep my mask on because I have these zits. And I don't know if people are going to make fun (laughs) of my zits. Like it'd been two years and like she was in elementary, they didn't have zits. She got zits over COVID and like, she was self conscious of it and kids were yeah. super self conscious about what is gonna be revealed in this social setting. It was a weird, um, like unintended consequence that a lot yeah, of kids that, were dealing with. It's
1: almost it's almost like uh, you know, the first day of school again or something. It like, really was. Like, oh, I'm revealing my my face and uh, and like just that exposure vulnerability almost and it and it shouldn't have been like no. because that's your face, like, yeah. you know, but yeah, that's really interesting. Um that perspective because yeah my son's not in school yet uh he's uh, almost three um so in about in another year he would be able to start kindergarten here in uh yeah. ontario so yeah but this um i really have empathy for people with kids um that and and, and kids themselves who have been uh going through the past two years all these uh oh school closure virtual learning masks like i i cannot imagine and that's one thing that uh one thing that has been, um, with a three-year-old, not, uh, being in school, like with me being a stay-at-home mom with him, our day-to-day life really wasn't that different that way.
0: Yeah. You don't really it even was, stray from the living room. It's hard enough to get out the house. <laughs>
1: yeah, Basically. <laughs> basically right. Uh, so it was really just the, uh, Oh, the play dates were more limited. Uh, the community, Uh, facilities that normally would have been available certain there were certain play dates and play centers and uh, especially over the winter time when you need to get out and get the energy out and and socialize um uh, they just those things just weren't available um another element on top of it would be that I'm a military spouse so um yeah so I, I could recognize that there's like multiple layers um so I went to school for a social service worker, <laughs> before having uh, my son, so you know I'm very aware of just you know like the individual and the community and and whatnot around. So I know COVID affected everybody differently depending on where you are. Uh, so just myself um, as a military spouse, uh, so five years ago moved away from my family and hometown uh, and friends, and then you make great military friends. Um, it, it's it's a whole different life and. And whatnot, and it's it's been great uh, being able to meet so many people. But the only unfortunate side was when COVID happened. Usually, people get posted away about on average every two years. Uh, our circumstance, we would stay where we are, um, though. So it's my friends that would be getting posted away. So you make really best friends over the years and then they get posted away. So you always need to be going to these community uh, events that would be held by the military spouses uh, Mm. at community centers. Oh, certain playdates or certain just social meetups. And then when everything shuts down and nobody even feels like, uh, even just on their own, they just don't feel like they can, for their personal reasons, whatnot, that they don't feel like they should be socializing or whatnot uh, it's really hard when you're losing, uh, friends they are moving away and you're not making new ones in exchange, yeah. because that was something I learned really quickly being a military spouse before COVID was you always need to be social and open and meeting more friends, making more connections because you never know they're, they could be gone. Um, which has happened a few times. Of course you can, uh, video chat. You can call and stuff and keep in touch, but it's totally different. Yeah.
0: I mean, like you want to have like some food with somebody, especially if they have other kids, you want to like put them in a little playpen and just see what happens. You know, like (laughs) you want to be there when they like trip and fall. I don't know. There's like a bunch of cute little stuff when you have that kid parent time, right? Like you want to complain about the same stuff. You want to figure out like best practice for teething or, all these little nuanced things where it's so inconvenient to that happen organically in person and all of a sudden seem scheduled on a video chat. you know it's mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, so like six six thirty we may have a cocktail during the when our kids go to take a nap or go to bed and then we'll catch up and it's like, why does it have to be scheduled? Why can't it just be like, hey, I was going by the neighborhood knocked on your yeah. door saw you were home.
1: Oh, exactly. Uh, community. Like, I think if anything, this, this has proven how important community is. Um, and just in general, like, I feel like we've kind of lost that as a society. Uh, but then COVID it's at least shown me that, uh, and just reaffirm those beliefs. Um, and yeah, just going back to the the zoom thing, even if you were to just video chat somebody when you have young kids, uh, <laughs> when you have a certain at a certain age, uh, my son would just totally take over the screen, uh, yeah. smash on the keyboards. Like he he's very talkative. So I mentioned in one of the, the previous chats, uh, uh, if he was here uh, right now, he would just be taken over the screen. He he would go to me and say, "Mom, I'm talking," and put his hand up. "Mom, I'm talking." Uh, like, and he will just talk, go on and on and on. And I love that about him. It's really it's really sweet. But as you're mentioning, it's just different. Uh, uh virtual yeah. versus real life, but but yeah, going back to the, uh, the community aspect, um, that's been something huge that I've had to, uh, realize becoming a first time mom. And again, on top of being away from family and childhood friends. So I have my spouse and then I have my military, uh, spouse community and then the surrounding community I live in and then becoming a first time mom, uh, on top of that i mentioned that i was in a social service worker uh that i t- went to school for that and i made really great friends there as well but that was at a college and again once you graduate they move away they go yeah, back home so again i made really that this was before COVID, made really great friends and um i was lucky enough that i gave birth before COVID. like um, my son was six or seven months old when the lockdown started so i was lucky enough to have the uh, pregnancy and birth experience um Well, when the world was still normal.
0: (laughs) But that's something like that was a big deal down here. Um, I believe like cancer, either deaths from cancer or like undiagnosed or cancer diagnosis. Somehow like all the little checkups that got canceled because like doctor's offices were shut down for a year, just typical screenings all got backlogged. Um, I didn't really think about pregnancy and like all Mm. have like all the time that women have to go to see the doctor. Do you know, was that like, still like, could you maintain a schedule like that up in Canada? I know it was after yours. I don't know if you know any other mothers or yeah. did that like, I know regulated? from
1: what I know. So, um, I, I went with, uh, the midwives and in Canada, the midwives are, um, paid for by the government there. It's, um, it's not the same as in America that in America, I believe like you're paying out of pocket and you're choosing and they, they could be associated with, uh, probably depending on the state They could be associated with uh, a certain uh, union or not. or, or um,
0: probably like a anyways, company. it's all,
1: yeah, it's uh so in Canada it's, it's completely, um, regulated and whatnot. So it's basically, you know, if you have a healthy baby in pregnancy that you meet the criteria, you can go this way or that way huh. being a military spouse, um, in our area, it's less likely you like, um, I just got my first family doctor after five years on the wait list. So I didn't have a family doctor then. So it was, they would, there's, there's care services in place that if you're pregnant, they will, like, you will see a doctor. Um, but they're not going to be your family doctor afterwards, if that makes sense. So I had the choice. So uh, after being with the midwives, I chose the midwives. Um, but, but anyways, over COVID, um, they, because of the sanitary issues, you could not have a water birth. And in our area, at the hospitals, they don't um, offer water births either. So that was something. I did have a home water birth, so oh. I, I just, like, <laughs> yeah. And I just, uh, I, I feel so, even if, even with the hospital, like, uh, the fact that you couldn't have a water birth uh, because of COVID and because of, uh, I guess, you yeah, have the sanitary concern that they can't, yeah whatever. They we can't were. sterilize it the same, yeah. the same way. I, I just feel like that was just awful for women. Like women, like, especially in that situation, you should just, you need to have all your options available. It's not, you know, it's not that you have to do that, but I believe, especially like you're giving birth to a child, you should be able to choose what you want to do and what you feel comfortable with. And I, I felt that that was, um, that was uh, really upsetting to me, but at the same time, I was past that. <laughs> I was lucky enough that I was able to do that. Um, and I just felt really strongly for the women I knew, my friends and whatnot, that uh, weren't able to make that choice. Um, as a, uh, When it comes to the meetings, everything was available. It was just more so um, your partner pr- probably couldn't come in or your kids couldn't come in. So, okay. you know, that's, that's too bad as well. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone really missed any appointments uh, because of it, uh, but I can't say. Gotcha. Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's silly to I don't know, speculate on my mind, but that's just how my mind wandered now. Cause I hadn't considered that demographic or population of yeah. like, man, like, like Jesus, that two, those two years. And when, when you said like it not being sanitary, a water birth, um, like I remember there was like a four or five week period where people were wiping down to go boxes. <laughs> grocery bags, you know, like you were worried COVID was going to be on your shoe and it was going to come into your house and people were stripping as soon as they got yeah. home and like spraying themselves with Lysol. And now you think back and it's like, how fucking silly. I'm um, yeah. curious about your passion for the water birth though. I uh, just, maybe my toxic masculinity, never having thought about it. <laughs> like,
1: um, Oh, I have so much to talk about with, with um, motherhood and pregnancy <laughs> and breastfeeding and all the things And these are all things that I just, I had to learn once I was pregnant. It was just, uh, simply, um, so my pregnancy was, uh, unplanned, uh, And so it was just more of a, you know, I knew I wanted to have kids. Most of them are right. Or at least a certain amount are. Um, So I always knew I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have a large family. You know, I had those values, but um, it just wasn't the exact time that we had planned it. Uh, So anyways, I I wasn't in the phase of thinking about all of the specifics of, oh, how am I going to give birth or, you know, parenting, all these things. You just have a vague idea and then, ooh life smacks that (laughs) right into, into your path. So really, um, I think that when I went on with the midwives, it was just, that was an option for me. Um, whereas if I went on with a doctor and, uh, I could, I could give birth in a hospital with the midwives, but, um, you cannot have a water birth at the hospital if you're with a doctor or or even before COVID. So my choice to be with the midwives, that was something that was offered and you could obviously do that only at home. Um, and I was very anxious about it, but the midwives were, um, I was anxious about it as a first time mom, of course, just anxious about giving birth. Um, and really I knew nothing about it prior is, to that, you know, is like
0: part of the concern? I, I feel like the comfort, I'm thinking back to when my daughter was born and the comfort was like, at, I felt all the resources in case something went wrong were really, really close and right there but i also don't know how much like equipment i'm thinking of like a rock group where all of these like big cases and wheels like roadies are pushing <laughs> in a bunch of equipment to your house when you're about to give birth mm-hmm. um how like how much stuff do they bring in or is it just like they have a backpack on and <laughs> they're like oh, that's enough yeah
1: yeah and hey you know what that's valid because i was thinking about that as well um so the midwives themselves so obviously i did my own research online the midwives themselves at my appointments would discuss. Uh, and the main thing was, is you you had a healthy pregnancy and you had a healthy baby to, uh, there was no complication or concern uh, to, be able to be with the midwives to begin with. So you're already in a lower demographic. Uh, all the scans were normal. There wasn't a single concern. So when you're looking at birth um, in the way of uh, um, everything's healthy, no complication, then it's quite a natural thing. Uh, most of the time it's quite... It's been, Natural, um, it's been of happening course. for
0: a while. People have been doing it in yeah. the woods, you know, like sur- but, yeah. maybe survives yeah. a lot of environments <laughs> of course, right? throughout time, right?
1: Yeah. Um, but of course, I, I I, do have a story. Um, at postpartum, I did have a complication. So, you know, I have that experience where, hey, things can come up that are completely out of uh, out of your radar and unexpected. But when it came to the safety aspect, uh, online on Ontario's, uh, uh government like health websites, I was looking up the statistics and the safety and the, the positive outcomes of the baby and the mother were the exact same, um, with oh. hospital or home birth, uh, with, because everything's so regulated here, it's, you know, they have the statistics, they have the regulations and the midwives do carry on them, uh, resuscitation for yeah. the baby yeah. and a lot of things with them, uh, so when I learned that it was, it actually made the, um, the decision, uh, more clear, but also I wasn't going to force myself, uh, to do that. It was more of a, I asked the midwife, you know, I'm first time mom, I'm nervous. I would like to try, but I'm not saying I'm going to, because how do I know? I don't know what it's like to give birth or what's going to happen. So they said, you know what? Like, yeah, that's totally fine. If, if, We start the whole home birth thing. We come to the house and check you and we get the pool ready. And then you say at any point you want to go to the hospital because you, then let's go because it's all about the woman feeling. um, eh. And the more I looked into it and read about it, it's more about the woman feeling relaxed and safe. Uh, That makes the process go easier when you have fear or you're tensing up a lot. uh, That's what can stall things. And and, uh, and a lot of times from personal experience, uh, people have told me that, actually going to the hospital just the transition of going through the car and being uncomfortable then getting there and the bright lights everywhere and uh all the paperwork is actually stalled the labor for a little bit so i think the main thing is it just comes down to the woman's uh choice and what she feels is best for and the health and safety aspect uh it was an amazing experience um and it was funny because
0: (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have cut you off. But I'm thinking back to the comparison to the hospital and the midwives. Like after you give birth, how long do the midwives stay? So like here, I think you get basically three days in the hospital. And then if there's complications or if there's something that is happening with the child or the mother, you can get like extended stay. But insurance basically pays for three days. And like that first night, it was like, thank God there are people around who know what the fuck to do. Because I like, do, do I pick up? Do I pat? How do I change? How do I roll this thing into the burrito? Right. It was just so much was unknown that like, and then you freak out over every little sound. Like, it, is my baby alive? They're not making any sound. Is this okay? Is it okay for me to go to sleep? Like, will I not wake up if the baby? So there were all these things and it was so comforting to have another, just an on-call in case something goes wrong. So that's why I was kind of curious about the midwives, how long they stay.
1: And you know what? That is interesting you brought up because like I mentioned, I I did have a postpartum complication. So I actually do have experience with us being in the hospital as well. So I gave birth at home and I had, so they stay for the first three hours after birth. (laughs) They do all the checks. So it's three hours and then they're gone, right? Uh, So the three hours does go by really fast. I mean, the like I said the birth went perfectly I won't get into too many details but the birth went perfectly uh couldn't have asked for anything better and there is a real there is a real um I guess I could only explain it as uh you know if you've done like a really hard workout or probably a marathon <laughs> that's right and then afterwards when you get to lay in bed and have a let's say have a bath and then lay in bed and then the feeling of relaxation your whole body and then also you have uh your your pride and joy, your, your baby. And you're just like in awe. So it's just like a million times. It's like, uh, there's a term for it, but it's something about like postpartum glow. It's like, uh, it's just, an, it's like a heavenly experience, honestly. Um, so yeah, those three hours after birth, I felt great. I didn't even feel pain yet really. Uh, uh-huh. you know, I just felt great. I was up walking around. I just, you know, I'm sure all the hormones, right. So going through me, uh, which were my own bodies. uh, natural way of doing it, uh, was just pumped through me. I'm sure adrenaline and all these things. Right. So I just felt great. And it was like, they were telling me to slow down, right? Like, no, you (laughs) need to go rest. Right. I'm like, I want to take a shower, you know, and (laughs) then lay down. But anyways, you know, they said, no, you need to rest. Uh, like you need to lay down and whatnot. But yeah, it was only, it's only three hours. So you're right compared to the hospital. Um, usually in Canada, it's about 24 hours from what I know, unless, unless there's a reason why. Um, let's say maybe the breastfeeding isn't maybe going well, you need to, uh, want to stay and see the lactation consultant or there's something else, but yeah, from everyone I know of, it's usually just 24 hours. They just have to do their checks and then you can leave if everything is meeting the criteria. Um, but so postpartum, my complication was super, super rare and there was nothing that contributed to it. Uh, so Basically, it was at the three hour mark and they were just about to leave and I was feeling some pain. Yeah, right. It was right at the, (laughs) they were actually walking out the door and I was like to my spouse, no, you need to go get them. (laughs) Right before they had left, I was complaining. I had some pain that I just couldn't really pinpoint. It felt like a pinched nerve Um, somewhere down there, just to be vague, right? (laughs) So I said, I can, I can feel it. I can feel it. There's a spot. um, Can you please check? Like, I feel like something's there does all our checks. Everything is completely normal. looks great here. Um, how about you have something to eat? Let's have some Tylenol, whatever. Cause I really hadn't eaten in like for 24 hours or yeah, whatnot. Right. Just, let's just rest
0: pause you. Cause that, that's something when you brought up Tylenol too. And I don't know if this is part of like the water birth cause I, I wasn't a part of one, but like, do you get an epidural or are there any kind of like pain relief? Is that something that you were against at the time? Or is that a rude question to yeah. ask? Is that like asking somebody their age or their weight? <laughs> I don't
1: know. No, no, I, I won't say I won't say I was against it. It was more of a, uh, like I said, leading up with all of my research or and uh, deciding how I wanted things to go. It was more of a, you know, I want to give it a shot to do a natural birth because I just read about all of the uh, the ways that if you allow your body, if you are able to allow your body to relax, and there were certain things that I had prepared and set up so that my body could take over and there's like a surrendering at a certain point in a transition, which I clearly remember the point that that happened. But before that point I was <laughs> saying to my spouse, if the midwives get here and I'm not that far along, I think I need to go to the hospital because I, you know, I, cause I can't go, I can't go about that long like this. It was very, you know, it, was, oh, it is, it is intense. Right. But then once they got, uh, got to check me. I was already at a five centimeters. So that's like halfway. And that was just, that was just the boost I needed. Once they showed up, I felt so safe because Gosh. they were there and, and then the safety. And then at that point the in my brain, the feeling of safety and I can do this uh, versus do I want to go in the car and drive for 20 minutes uh, to the hospital right now when I'm, my body is like fully, you know, it knows I'm going to give birth. It wants to stay put. So then the decision was clear. I'm staying put um, and whatnot. So it was just more so, um, what? for myself, I wanted to give it a, a shot and see if I can do it like a challenge for myself as well. Um, and I had <laughs> a lot of controversy telling anyone my plans when I was pregnant and that was awful. Like I, you know, a first time mom, when you say, you know, you want, you want to do something and you're going to give it a shot and I've looked into everything. Um, and then, Oh, you're not going to be able to do that. Uh, <laughs> it's the most painful thing you'll ever feel in your life. Like, oh my gosh, are you crazy? Uh, all these things. So that that wasn't too helpful, but I just knew and I was confident in uh, my research and my plan and just of, that's why I said, let's just try. I'm just going to aim for it and see where it goes. And I didn't um, I didn't pressure myself if if I did decide in, in that moment, I wasn't going to beat myself up over it if I decided to go to the hospital. Um, so pain relief wise, it was really just, The water was a huge pain relief i did not expect because i obviously first time doing that and it seems to be not every woman like i said has the option or knows or wants to do a water birth so but it's an amazing pain relief Uh, as well as just simply the difference between good pain and bad pain was a huge one that i learned about Uh, afterwards because my complication was more painful than giving birth (laughs) was so when i put that in perspective it was like yeah there's a good pain and a bad pain. And if you're afraid of giving birth and afraid of that pain, it makes you more tense and it turns into uh, a bad pain because your mind is telling you that something's wrong when nothing's wrong. If you understand what's happening, you know, that this is normal and, uh, then you just surrender. Like I said, it's like surrendering into it at a certain point and then transition takes over. And if you're, if you're lucky, your body takes over, um, your body pushes your baby out. That happened to me. (laughs) Your body does it. I didn't even have to do anything like, uh, it doesn't happen for everyone, but it's just like, it's just, yeah. So I just, like I said, it really went perfectly. Um, the only thing that was unexpected in labor for myself was, uh, throwing up a and I, oh. I, I yeah, throwing up and I was like, nobody told me that was going to happen. And that was, that was heard. actually the worst part of it for me.
0: Dude, I had not Feeling heard people Feeling nauseous and throwing up. Really? I've heard yeah, of like nobody told like me that would happen. Being scared of like pooping themselves, right? Like that's yeah. the <laughs> common thing. But like, I've never heard of the puking.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, yeah, uh, about, about at the five centimeter mark. So as soon as, right before the midwives got there, then, you know, just the pain, it was the pain. That was causing, you know, when you're at a certain level of pain, you can feel nauseous. So it was oh kind of like gosh. after a contraction, nausea, but I hadn't eaten. So, and I couldn't eat or drink. So it was like, eh, I was only in labor for like seven, uh, almost just under eight hours. So wasn't awful. It started at like 3 a.m. So, and I wasn't... Eh, You know, I had the plan to have the there's like certain um, popsicles you can have, you know, to get your electrolytes up and all these, uh, you know, stay hydrated, stay hydrated, be prepared. But that did not work for me. Uh, (laughs) So not everything goes as planned. But just my body, uh, that was the only thing that I was like really complaining about because it was like, you know, you get you have your contraction, then you get a break. But I'd have my contraction, then be nauseous and throwing up. So I didn't feel like I was getting the break. And that was just like, oh, I I hate throwing up. Like who likes? throwing up or feeling it's, sick right uh, so that was just an added level now the midwives were able to give me an injectable uh, gravel if do you have gra- gravel um uh, it's uh, like anti-nausea you can take it as tablets um, not
0: that i've heard of but it doesn't mean no we don't you don't well it. in
1: canada we have them um, maybe i'm maybe i'm pronouncing it wrong but it's just like you know anti-nausea tablets you can take they're safe uh for a pregnancy Uh, so they have an injectable version so it's stronger and uh, that was that was huge for me because uh, once they got there it actually did start to work and it just I think it actually helped relax me maybe a bit because it's you know it kind of I think the midwife mentioned that it seems like oh it seems like or at least just me not feeling as sick was then relaxing me too because you know you're not just so tense and feeling unwell so yeah that was uh so the injectable gravel was the medication that i had had if you want to view it uh, view it that way um if i had chose the hospital you know there's the option of the laughing gas there or the epidural yeah simply i just wanted to give it a shot and uh i I think that a lot of women can relate to the fact that the epidural kind of sounds scary too (laughs) getting this massive needle in your back uh, and i watched a lot of birth videos and stuff and so i mean i'll be honest the the idea of the epidural uh was a little bit intimidating to me. So that was also a factor. Um, but I, to each their own. I have nothing against women that, I think that's a stigma. I have nothing against women that choose to do that. Like I said, I really think it's just about having all your options open and uh, being being open to learning them. And, and if I hadn't done the research I had done or had the people around me, like with the midwives that I had, I might have not even known that this was an option.
0: Yeah. Or even just had the confidence to give it a shot in like a comfortable environment. Yeah. The the stigma thing was always weird for me. I don't know if it's like a mean girls thing or whatever, where like women just seem more judgy. Like, I I don't know if that's a accurate stereotype, but it seems like me being a middle schooler and then dealing with my daughter, her mom's constantly talking to her about just like cattiness where with dudes, it's like, if you don't like a dude, you either fight them Or you go away and you like play with somebody else, you know, like you just brush it off. So it's a very hard thing for me to understand because I hear it a lot, but I just don't get the point of like being judgy with other people's pregnancies. Like why would someone care if you go natural versus you go epidural or why would you even want to judge someone? and try to make them like feel bad when they're making this really stressful choice especially for like a first time mom cuz i imagine yeah. there's so much worry about i'm going to fuck something up and then the guilt <laughs> yeah. you're going to have where if people are just hitting you with all this negativity it it it's a terrible headspace to be in
1: i would yeah. imagine yeah yeah um and i really like i said leading up to the birth if i shared those um those plans with anyone like i said 9 times out of 10 It was a negative response or a, oh, you won't be able to do it or just, oh, why would you do that? Are you crazy or are you risking your baby's safety Are you risking your safety? And then in one of
0: the most painful points in your life, you're going to like have that voice come to the forefront of your head. Mm -hmm. That's not going to help you to know. And I I like what you said there about the good pain and bad pain. Because if you like work out or if you go for a run and you're like pushing your body, you can feel good. Or if you're stretching, you can feel good pain that you want to like breathe through and lean into. And it's very relaxing afterwards versus like, oh, sharp back pain. Let me pause. Like that that something's going to break, something's going to tear. Relax. You know, so it's, you wouldn't want to be at that precipice and then all of a sudden have that doubt creep in where all of a sudden you're now interpreting good pain as bad pain because you've been influenced. You've been biased towards it. Mm -hmm. That's a...
1: Yeah, exactly. It is so – there's so much to it and that's what I think is so amazing and so special about it as well. And I think that that's where women are amazing and awesome and it's like – there's it's physical and it's emotional and spiritual and uh, it's Uh, mentally challenging too and there's so much to it. um, I was wondering
0: when you were talking about preparing because you just said spiritual – Like, how do you, did you have some sort of like mental mantra or preparation thing? Was there more to like, did you seek like some sort of counselor or spiritual someone to give you?
1: Yeah, uh, so I actually, that you mentioned it, they're uh, affirmations and they really helped me. And affirmations have helped me a lot, even up to this day now that I was exposed to them just simply a change of your mindset uh, and just the wording and just having some, uh, and just a lot of them. I had like a little Pinterest uh, board and I was just preparing for birth, just uh, pinning all the ones that I liked and then saving them. And then I was preparing uh, before night if I felt anxious, just reading them and just getting myself in that space and that positive space for myself that I could do this uh, and that um, I'm capable and that and just about leaning exa- into leaning in the contractions, uh, surrendering, and yeah, that that really did help because it was like that was replacing the voice that I didn't have uh, around me because nobody but, – but at the same time, nobody around me had had a home water birth either. So there was a disconnect. Uh, a lot of the women in my family, like I said, I live away from them. A lot of the women in my family had had C-sections, hospital births, uh, preterm births. Uh, they're just – times were different. None of them even breastfed, like times were different. Uh, So for me, for me saying all these things, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to breastfeed all these things. It was like, Whoa, like, and they also didn't have anything to contribute to that, but just the fact that they didn't know anything about it. And then immediately that would be uh, viewed negatively because of course they're concerned, but at the same time, then I just had to really show them the research I'd done the statistics and and then of course they weren't going to tell me what to do. It was just something that I learned that we just weren't going to talk any further about. And then, (laughs) right. And then at a certain point, you know, later into the pregnancy, closer to birth, it was, yeah, just really those affirmations um, and just getting myself into the right mind space. Um, I wasn't overly spiritual as in, I know some women lean on God or, you know, something else higher too in birth. Uh, I've always been, I've been raised, uh, very loosely Christian you know that's just like this the values of my hometown and you know went to church a few times and read the bible but it wasn't really identifying as that fully at that point because there's more to it um so as I've uh gotten gotten older um I have uh, leaned into God more and spirituality more that way but I wasn't uh leaning into that at the time of the birth
0: so it was just did you rehearse Like, it's funny because these are stupid things I think about. Like, I almost look at it like as a mental playlist where you're like, okay, because you seem so analytical with your numbers and your assessment, which is awesome because I'm very similar. (laughs) I'm very numbers driven. So... In my head, I'm wondering if you're like, okay, at six centimeters, I'm going to focus on like these mantras and eight centimeters, these, and when my contractions are like 10 <laughs> seconds apart, this is the bring it home mantra that I'm going to shout. <laughs> like, did you script it out in that sense? Yeah. Or were you just kind of like, cons- almost like through osmosis, you like, whatever I get absorbed with by being around it is what I'll bring up at the time. That's what's right. Yeah.
1: So I did the plan like you speculated I did plan out (laughs) very well um what I just trying to prepare myself to be the most prepared like I said I had probably over prepared which you should over prepare uh of course (laughs) but that's your one uh, job for the (laughs) day
0: right when the day comes that's your one when the day comes I have (laughs) so many
1: stories about oh my gosh so we flashback just quickly we were in an apartment as well and uh and we, it was very hot. So my son was born in July and where we live, that's like one of the biggest heat waves. So yes, we're in Canada, but we still get very hot summers. <laughs> so that's like the biggest heat wave at this time. And we only had one air conditioner that would just do basically one room, Nice, <laughs> but it's an apartment, right? So I just assume, okay, the bedroom, right. Or so my spouse, uh, I, I did get, uh, go into labor a little bit early, like 39 weeks instead of 40 weeks or 41 weeks. Right. So just still in normal range, but it was just uh, maybe we weren't fully, it was unexpected, right? When I just woke up and no, oh, I'm in labor. So we weren't hundred percent prepared to the T at that point. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, when the day comes, then things just get all out of order and the plan falls apart. But at the same time, being a woman and just going through birth, a lot of it just came back to dropping the analytical side because it just became instincts and just yeah. surrendering to my body and then my body it's really crazy but your body will tell you what to do you just listen to it and, and it could like what position should it be and what's more comfortable where you want to gravitate towards what room of the house you want to go to and having that freedom uh to move around and not be i wasn't i didn't have a monitor stuck to me or um IVs. I could just do what I wanted and listen to my body. That was a, a really cool freedom to have um, because again, I couldn't plan that out. I, I could only, uh, I just had lots of uh, people around me that I would talk to, like I said, and have books and have uh, videos and whatnot. So, so yeah, the analytical side just completely dropped um, probably at the five centimeter mark, like I said, once <laughs> they got there. And then there's like a transition point in your body. You just are fully submerged in the process. And then at a certain point, right before you're pushing your body just it's, it is, I, I've never felt more powerful in my life. Because your, your body takes over. And um, it that's where it's almost like a very spiritual thing. Because it's like, there's some there's like a higher power, there's a higher connectiveness. And that's really at the moment that you're giving birth. Uh, like I said, my body was pushing for me so my water broke and then I felt huge relief cause that was like so much pressure the whole time. So my water broke and I was in the water and Oh relief. And then my body's pushing for me and I couldn't control it. Uh, and it was the most powerful force. Like, you know, if you want to picture like a weightlifter, like lifting something super heavy or, but it wasn't like a straining push. It was just like a wave that goes through you. like your whole body. Like you can't breathe because your body is like pushing like that. Um, So, yeah, you'd have to be a woman, you know, to experience that. And if you if you if your birth had went that way um, and that's what's really cool, being able to see what your body uh, can do. And I just let my body do its thing and I surrender to the experience where that's actually what helped me being able to surrender instead of focusing on all the things I'd planned piece by piece, because. If I had planned this, that, and the other, then I would start worrying and, oh, it's not going to plan. And just yeah. – you have to let your body do what it's going to do and not worry. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's really what uh, was key. So, yeah, there's a there, – that was an interesting experience. Um, And, yeah, just – quickly, the postpartum
0: uh, was... uh... Uh, You don't have to be quickly about it. It was just, (laughs) I I, I think as I'm sitting here just reflecting, and again, in a man space where I don't even know if I have the right to reflect, right? About like pregnancy and giving birth. (laughs) But what you're saying about the, just trusting your body, I wonder how much creating that environment by being in a home in a trusting environment gives you the comfort to trust your body versus like the awkwardness that you just feel or can feel being somewhere else, or even just being annoyed by something that's like out, out of your normal environment. I wonder if just on even a subconscious level, your body's like freaking out about, Hey, I'm in this new place. What's this new place? You know, versus I'm rested here. And since I'm rested, I can trust it, which allows me to trust the body. That's I was just going like through that in my head and I'd never considered that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) that is actually exactly it, especially like once the midwife showed up, I felt so safe and just comfortable in my home even though yes, it's a small apartment and it's hot and whatever, but I, I prepared where I kept it. I kept it very, it was my home and I kept it. Uh, I did with my research, it was about keeping the lights very dark because, uh, the more dilated your pupils are, the more dilated your cervix can be. It's the same sort of, it's connected on your, uh, in your nervous system and your hormones and, There was just all these kind of if you want to call them biohacks you could do to help with uh uh, so on the analytical side to just give yourself the best shot that you'll let your body do what it's what it's uh trying to do to help with it uh to get the certain hormones going where they need to go and with those hormones they actually can make your your birth can actually be painless because there's natural pain killing or pain numbing hormones that come and i'm telling you maybe it was the water maybe it was yeah just being fully uh submersed but Um, giving birth, it wasn't painful at all. So that was a positive, obviously uncomfortable, the laboring, uncomfortable, um, definitely, but not, not painful because, uh, because yeah, the, uh, the postpartum was totally different ball game. Uh, (laughs) and that just was that contrast was huge. Everything was so perfect. Wasn't hooked up to anything. Then boom, I'm in the hospital for three days and uh I, we're hooked i'm hooked up to every you know everything antibiotics uh iv a million different things that uh, and being so uncomfortable and in so much pain and so i couldn't um i couldn't really move my body very well anymore and then it was like a really rough at least a month recovery
0: how did you get from cuz the mid what you had said like the midwives were leaving you feel like a little Hey, something ain't right they come back you had mentioned tylenol and then we i got you off yeah. of like a twenty minute tangent about like whatever. Um but yes. so then what was what escalated to get you to leave the home right after giving birth to actually go into the hospital? If they yes. didn't find so, anything at first.
1: Yeah, so this is uh this is where it's really interesting and uh And it was basically, yeah, I had the pain. So we ended off at uh, the midwives. Uh, They said everything was fine, have a Tylenol. They didn't see anything. There was nothing wrong. Uh, And then the pain just started. It was just increasing. And like I said, it was more of a, like, it was like a nerve pain. So there was just one spot um, in my areas that i could feel and i was like no there's something like i'm feeling it so there has to be something there how can they not i'm feeling something there uh and it just got to the point that it was just getting worse so they were about to leave and then just my um my instinct whatnot just shouted at my partner no tell them to come back because like this isn't right like my body this isn't good pain this isn't right this doesn't feel normal so because of my level of pain they they listened and then they called the doctor at the hospital and asked uh this is what's happening and i don't see anything and everything is normal the birth was perfect there was no complication so we don't what's going on and then he said it sounds like a hematoma of like a a vaginal hematoma of some sort so to get her to come to the hospital so they call the ambulance and so my spouse has to uh (laughs) first time dad as well has to learn how uh, baby in the diaper, uh, closed, uh, in the car seat in the car. God. drives the baby to the hospital separately from me, just like a three hours old.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of. Four and I'm going old, in baby.
1: the. Oh my god. Yeah, all, like it was all pretty. All the preparation to yeah. make
0: like the world similar and like a water bath, and hey, baby, it's this calm, natural environment. And then like four hours later, it's like get in the car seat,
1: get dressed,
0: we're yeah. out.
1: <laughs> it was like <laughs> the, the most complete contrast, <laughs> Right. like that I could imagine. And to this day, I'm telling you, like, I'll explain, there was no, there was no reason that it happened. And sometimes medical things are just like that. But in my analytical brain is always like trying to work through every detail and why, and why, and why, yeah. like, I can't just be told, Oh, well, that's just because, um, but long story short, it is, um, so it's like a vaginal hematoma. So it's all internal. Can I so ask, is,
0: Wait, is hematoma can't... the matter? Meto- is that just like internal bleeding? Or is- yeah,
1: internal bleeding, a okay. uh, hematoma. Is just uh, it, a blood vessel breaks somewhere gotcha. in your body, and it uh, just keeps filling up until the pressure uh, makes the bleeding stop. So we so it was it was actually by the time I had gotten to the hospital and they got I had to have surgery. Um, it was five hundred milliliters of blood and fifteen centimeters, so it was quite large, and uh, that's why the pressure and the pain was so. So I mean, if you're gonna picture like a pelvis uh you know all the space between the, pel- <laughs> the bones yeah it was kind of like filling it was just it filled up as much as it could until uh, it got enough uh, pressure that the bleeding then stops itself but you can't see there's no it's all internal yeah, so they, you, they couldn't see a thing similar um, to like it a was,
0: blood clot or is it a different
1: yeah category. so it's not a blood clot um it's because it's like in between your tissues. So it's not going to travel through your body. Oh, um, it's just sure. like it's, it's really hard to explain because it's blood where it's not supposed to be because your blood vessel is broken. Now it's a, So now it's just bleeding out inside your tissues of your body. So you can't see it externally. The, once I arrived to the hospital, my pain was so severe. I was like screaming in pain. I didn't scream once during birth or, you know, and I was screaming in pain and they were pumping me with morphine. Because, of course, they want to, you know, get me comfortable. That didn't do a thing. They Okay, yeah. they gave me more. It didn't do a thing. Uh, the pain, like, at I, I, one point I just thought, like, when you're in that much pain, you don't really know what's happening. I thought, am, am I going to die? Like, I'm, right. you know, on the hospital uh, bed and I'm just screaming. I'm just in so much pain. And I, and I felt so guilty for so long because uh, my baby was, you know, right o- over there in the little car seat. And my brain couldn't even, wasn't even thinking about him. Because mm. I was in so much pain, my survival brain just turns on, and it it's it's about me. So that was something that I've definitely healed from that trauma. That it was traumatic uh, experience for me, but I've healed from that now. But at the time, it was a uh, it was a, a harder way to start motherhood with, <laughs> in a lot of ways with that. And a lot of women have uh, stories of complications. So I know I'm not alone that way. But. Right uh, it only, it just happened. That was, that was it. They just had to drain it. And, um, then it was like, okay, um, now I'm going to have a lot of pain for quite a while until my body, you know, works, uh, works it through and heals. So just on top of your regular, uh, on top of your regular postpartum healing that I had this, uh, I had this, uh, surgery and, uh, pain and my body i was anemic after because i lost you know more blood than i should have and uh it was it was pretty rough like i couldn't my hip or my pelvis had kind of dislocated popped out a little bit from it even because there was so much pressure so yeah, i was that's... i had just a lot of physical pain that way uh long tr- longer like at least a month so breastfeeding was hard being able to uh, thank goodness for my partner because i could i for a long time i couldn't even like get up and move because i was so weak I was so weak and uh, in pain that uh, so just getting up to pick up the baby or change the baby or put a uh, latch him a certain way like it was just I was in so much pain but I but you know you make it you make it work and I realized there too that that's also where community is so important because it's like how like women are amazing 100% but also that's a very vulnerable time and you need people around you to help because if I was alone there was no way I would have been able to do that just physically uh, and emotionally. Like it was, it was rough. Um, but yeah, there was nothing about. So even if I gave birth at the hospital, that the exact same way it would have happened. It was just a. It, if you're more likely to have it happen if you're a first time mom. It's just a you're more likely to have it happen if you had a difficult birth where let's say a vacuum assisted or forceps assisted, like some trauma, you know, uh, Uh, that that then would lead to that. So if anything, I, like I said, everything was actually uh, reducing my, everything I had done actually reduced my risk of having that happen, but it still happened.
0: Dude, I'm, I'm wondering like if you'd have been shot up with like an epidural and I don't know how long they last, but like, my, my immediate concern was like almost like thank god you weren't on an epidural so that you could at least feel the discomfort or feel the oddity right like i and I, I don't know how long it lasts but man if that thing lasted whatever six hours after and the hematoma has like an extra three hours does that pressure build and dislocate something worse you know cause something yeah. else because the the picture i i'd not I don't know. I've never thought about a hematoma either before, but like you just think of like a balloon filling up Mm -hmm. between like joints and when like muscles, tendons, tissue, you're like, dude, people go get surgeries when stuff gets torn like that. Like that's not a good thing. And it really limits your mobility. And then especially being a mother, like you want to be mobile just instinctually there's something within you that's like on this not only do am i vulnerable my child's vulnerable so i'm sure you want to feel powerful you want to feel like be able to protect and to have that taken away man that's um
1: Yeah. yeah that
0: would be a terrible headspace to be in
1: yeah it was it was just like like you've pictured the contrast perfectly like i said everything was absolutely perfect and then boom everything's not and then it's three days in the hospital hooked up and whatnot and what you had previously mentioned about having uh then the nurses and whatnot around i i did have that experience because uh like i said i really could not get up i could not move for the first 24 hours at all and then afterwards i was very limited Uh, just with the healing i had to you know stay in a certain stay put uh for about 24 hours first and i was just so exhausted i was just constantly i was just falling asleep the most i don't even remember that was also part of the guilt because i don't even you know i was shot up with oh morphine and uh so many different things than the anesthesia I was put under for surgery. So, I mean, I was just my body, I was just exhausted. Um, and <laughs> so I was very sleepy. I was not, you know, a very responsive mother in the way that I, cause I just physically was not able. It wasn't that I mentally couldn't be, but I still managed to breastfeed. So, so thankful for that. It was a bit hard at first because it took a little, it took like an extra day for me to get my milk in because of everything that happened, because the anesthesia can, uh, Uh, slow that down. And the, uh, my body was obviously exhausted as well. So it was really, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm very proud of myself for the way that it uh, went.
0: (laughs) Curious, like the positivity that you're feeling and I, where my mind was going was I've always heard of just postpartum on the emotional aspect and then the guilt. Were you, did, were you just naturally positive? Did you have to have people like hype you up? and get you over this? Were you constantly like crying and in tears <laughs> dealing with the guilt? Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting thinking back because at the same time uh, as being positive, I also am very private with, uh, I, you know, you have to, at a certain point, you have to reach out for help or reach out when you need things as well and express your needs. But at that point, I was just so inward. Um, and it just, it was something I just couldn't, have expected to have happened something i couldn't have even prepared for as i as we were talking about i prepared the best i could and that wasn't even something that i even knew could have happened uh so uh, yeah uh what really got me through it was i had to go through the postpartum baby blues that most women have it's on like day four or five the the midwives told me it would happen regardless you know the hormones are just out of whack you're eh. so it was just more exacerbated because it was just like I said—the feeling of wow, I can't, I, I I can't be a good mother because I can't. Uh, I, I don't even remember the first like two days really of him being a baby because I was just uh, sleepy and I, I can't move. I can't I can't really pick him up. I I'm just still healing. Um, uh, so there was my negative thoughts. Um, and I, I did have to go – I just had to work through it, and it was really just focusing on getting myself better and just knew that I would get better uh, as well as just focusing on I, – I guess I really clung on to the breastfeeding because that was part of the plan, and I just focused on that. Uh, <laughs> You're
0: like, yes, one thing worked.
1: There's one thing that works. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's one thing that's going, going well. Uh, that's and And, uh, yeah, the, it just became kind of a blur. So at the same time, though, because it was before COVID – I did have, um, there was some uh, postpartum type of women's groups within the military community I was in. So that was actually very helpful because I think it was about once a week that we would go and you could, you know, there'd be pregnant women and they were all, um, I had other women that had just had their babies or were about to, you know, we're all kind of in a similar phase, fa- very similar phase of life. So that was like a social thing that we could go to and... <laughs> And what we actually were just talking about before this about the woman's uh, judgments and whatnot, that, that was, unfortunately, uh, we had a random instructor come in one day with that. And we were talking about our birth experiences and I was just telling them how I was actually very proud of myself and my body because for one, the birth was went so well. So I really was, that was a very positive thing that I could look back at, but also I didn't let the negativity of why did this complication happen take over. It was more of a, I remember after I woke up from the anesthesia of the surgery, I was crying tears of joy. Maybe that was the, you know, medication, but I was just like crying tears of joy that I was so grateful and so happy that I would get to see my son and my partner, you know, um, again, and just like, because there was, you know, a certain point that I was thinking of course, oh, am I going to die? Like, What's gonna happen. So it was just very intense. And so I was actually very grateful. And at the same time, I knew and I recognized that my body had just been through something very intense. Uh and and I was actually proud of myself still because I was like, wow, I've I've overcome this. I'm healed I can heal now. And I made it through this. You know, I made it through the surgery. I made it through uh and I just focused on the healing as well. So there was there was a balance of positive and negative thoughts, um, and th- really the the longest uh, p- negative thoughts to get through were about the fears of uh, not being able to be a good mother, which is common for for yeah, a lot of women. I think anybody um, who
0: really cares, yeah, or, like because you overcare.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then um, just the fears for my health. But as I as I healed and got better, you know, it wasn't something that. Thank goodness, it wasn't something that turned into anything chronic. So. Yeah, those are just really the healing
0: sad stories when you hear about moms that get very, very just sad and they can't ever fulfill whatever the expectation is that they feel. You know, is like mm-hmm. put upon them, and a lot of times, like the expectations, people just kind of put them on themselves. You know, like whatever you make a list and you've got four things to do today, you only get one done and you're like, I'm the worst versus like, maybe today I was just supposed to get one thing done. Like, it's okay to let go. My Who am I to say this is what should be? You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah, a mindset, yeah. mind frame yeah.
1: set. Exactly. And that's where, yeah, just the resiliency and the mindset comes in because life does throw these curveballs, and it's just, yeah, being able to reframe things and work through them. And I also recognized, that uh, I don't know if it was. A video of Jordan Peterson's or whatnot, but uh, something about that trauma can takes usually 18 months for your body to work through and process. Huh. Uh, it was it's just a fact um, that it's different for everyone depending on the trauma. but I actually found that it was about 18 months for me because I remember I, I just remembered at when my son was 18 months old or a little bit after that that I just wasn't I wasn't scared to give birth again because I wasn't scared anymore that that was going to happen again. The doctors had told me that will never happen again. This was just completely rare and uh, it just happened. Right. So, but being when you're scared and uh, didn't know why, then it was like uh, there was a fear behind, behind, it. I was still was, there was still a fear. So I just knew that I kind of had worked through that and healed and just uh, surrendered into motherhood and, just focused on what i could do every day to be a good mom and just yeah there's always that balance of positive and negative uh thoughts at least for myself and just a lot of mental work uh yeah. getting through your day but it was definitely rough but i i've gotten through it and uh and yeah i think everyone has their own unique way of uh dealing with things like that
0: what was up with the instructor you had started mm, a little story about yeah. like a judgment like where's the instructor just yeah. like hey you shouldn't have given water birth you were stupid <laughs> like yeah. were they very it, insulting
1: it was really more just you know the passive aggressiveness of women uh <laughs> so uh, on top of that okay we won't get into it we cloth i cloth diapers. <laughs> on top of that right so you know you. that's a whole other thing that another judgment Dude, but that when is, we were,
0: that's next yeah. level we gave that a go for a little bit and um it was uh it, it's just so much extra on top if you know it's just so mm. much extra to go cloth and I guess it is super better for the environment but mm. you're like fuck man this is inconvenient the smells all the time and just the extra loads of laundry and the leakage issues that can occur even when you get the little whatever like plastic things that can like wrap around the cloth oh, God. Uh, good, for you. good
1: hey, for you you know what Um, we had a positive experience and that's why I kept with it Um, but <laughs> But again, it's, it's just, it's something that just in general is something that people judge. But yeah, so back to the instructors in the women's group, it's, it's very much, you know, sharing uh, your birth stories. And uh, it was a different instructor for this day because the other one had called in sick. So maybe this one didn't really know us all. Uh, so she just seeing, you know, oh, we're just sharing our stories. And I was just talking about, so everyone else around me, you know, their birth maybe didn't go as planned. Uh and whatnot so maybe they were a bit disappointed or, or whatnot about it I can't quite remember exactly what uh but when it came to mind I you know mentioned everything that happened but I had said that I was just so proud of myself still for the way that it went and then I've overcome that and went through all that um and then and then when uh, and then after I had said my turn the instructor had said now remember there's no trophy for having an all-natural birth and when and when you know there's like just you know maybe I took it too far maybe she didn't mean it that way but when you're uh Post newly postpartum hormonal, and it's like it, it just women can be very passive aggressive, and we can be sensitive too. So there's just those little social cues, and I think that she meant it in a way. Looking back now, she probably meant it in a way of just trying to. She was just assuming that maybe other women might have felt bad, badly that yeah, they didn't. like
0: they can't do it the natural way. That's what I'm wondering. I almost wonder if yeah. she was like for some reason being like there could be the danger of someone pushing past where you it's unsafe for you to feel the pressure of you have to go natural. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, looking like that's where perspective and, uh, and whatnot, and just like your mental health at the time really comes to play because at that time I really did take it, it really hurt. And I off. did take it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, you know, I can see it differently. <laughs> There's just like wisdom and with time. And it's like, yeah, you know, you just, uh, <sighs> So yeah, that's, it's just interesting, but so I, who knows, right? I can't know exactly the way she meant it, but yeah. looking back at a, in a more forgiving and open way, it's just like, let me just assume people are good and not yeah,
0: right. Right. Time. Yeah. You can't imagine yeah. someone becomes a coach just to like, kind of give jabs or barbs. Although I don't know, man, if you're having a rough day, you know, some teachers, like, I'll be like, you know what? i really didn't need to say that to that kid. And then I got to go apologize to him. You know, it was like, man, I was having a rough day. I'm like, I'm deflecting something that happened an hour ago with like another kid onto you and I'm fed up with just the situation and it's not so much you. So, I mean, I could, yeah, I guess it could go either way. Hey, just on a side note, do you happen to watch Ozark at all or know the show Ozark? Oh. Gotcha. So it, it's, a, yeah. it's a really twisted show, but there's one scene where this mother who's adopted a baby gets out of the parenting group and she felt slighted. And like the mom that slided her is walking out, and she takes out like this pocket knife and just stares the mom down and slashes her tire in front of her, and then just uh. walks away because she felt so attacked by the you know the parenting group like she wasn't a good enough mother. I think it might have been for breastfeeding, and um, they were like bottle uh. shaming her or something like that. And it was it's just an epic scene of the passion of like how serious. People are in that moment, man. It's, uh, uh it, it's sucked. Oh, in wow. Mind.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and really something that, uh, that I thought about just, uh, in the motherhood community and, like, let's say online and whatnot, it's, you know, I think that we're at a place now where you can be open about, however, your birth goes and i think in general people can can feel all right with the choices they've made and maybe, maybe the stigmas drop down a bit or uh maybe i just follow very healthy <laughs> people or whatnot so that's just my perspective but right. at the same time there's also kind of an idea that uh it, sh- it shouldn't be okay for women that share that things went well and that they're proud of themselves or that and not shame they're not shaming anyone else for sharing that they're happy with the way things went they're proud of themselves and and uh you know, we shouldn't. You shouldn't have to be silent about your own story just because yeah. you feel like you're uh, offending somebody else who it didn't go that way because that's not the intention. And it's the same with breastfeeding. Uh, that's a very sensitive one, and I understand why that would be. But the women, if they're not able to or don't want to, of course, there's a stigma and judgment on that too. So then, women that are saying, "Oh, um, I breastfed this long," it, sometimes people feel like that's competition or. Oh, how long did you breastfeed for? Or, Oh, you super mom. And it's like, you know, I think that we really just need to, to come to a place where it's like, no, like we can't just stop judging either way because it's just not helpful. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's my thought on that.
0: There's a bunch of, um, I, I, man, it's funny. Like I've gotten through the podcast, I've gotten way more into like just the different, and I can't name them, but just different philosophers, memes or pages where like people post things and who knows even if they're fucking true. (laughs) But like when you hear people like Jordan Peterson speak, he actually, there was a clip today that I was, um, I watched and he was talking about how you want to be careful about sharing good news because only true friends celebrate good news where the majority, it's the quickest way to understand where your relationship stands with somebody when you share something positive and either they try to deflect it to make it more about, them and their competition where they somehow detract from yours, you just know, I shouldn't trust that person. They should not be part of my inner circle because for whatever reason, my joy does not bring them happiness. And that was one of his things. I don't know if it was in his 12 rules, but it was in one of those like lectures that he does. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's a very, it, it's an interesting way because I look at myself and I think I'm a little similar to you where I'm not much of a natural sharer. I'm more inclined to just keep to myself and I like to let others do the talking. Um, And it got me thinking like on some level, like do do I feel that way? (laughs) And I can't imagine with mothers and all the hormones that are racing and for whatever (laughs) happens that maybe it almost seems like the stereotype is like the mothers would not be considered good friends to other mothers because the stigma and the stereotype is it's competition. And nobody ever does it right. And you hate the lady who gets to do it right and does everything, right? Like that's that, that should yeah. be like the next Mean Girls movie. Like yeah. Mean oh, Girls yeah. Mothers style, you know?
1: Yeah, especially like when you picture these postpartum mothers and I've experienced it. Like your mental health, what your state that your mental health is in is already pretty fragile. You're into the hormones and just the sense like – so it's, it's totally – yeah. <laughs> that's why it's very important to have a very good tribe – or community of friends, like before, before you're pregnant or what, throughout your pregnancy, just people that you really know you can trust. So when you go into these like parenting groups, uh, after you have a baby, you, you don't really know each other. Uh, yes, it's a nice way to get to be social and whatnot, but when you're sharing these things, uh, intimate things and whatnot, you just, yeah, you don't know which way people are going to take it. And yes, I, I do know what you're speaking of with, uh, Jordan Peterson's, uh, uh, video that you're watching. I probably, I think I saw that one too. Uh, okay. and yeah, I, that, that makes so much sense. And it's such a thought that, uh, it's just profound. Like, yeah, that's so true.
0: Yeah. It's so Jordan Peterson and I, I'm not that you have to be an expert or anything, but just from what I've heard him speak, it seems like he's super polarizing up in Canada. And I'm just curious, mm-hmm. is that your perception of him? I know like on your Instagram, you had posted that you were reading the 12 rules of life, like one of his books. Um, so I was curious, I know how big of a fan you were or how long you've known about him anything like that.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's really, it's really cool because, um, so, uh, he was teaching, uh, in, uh, in Toronto and so my hometown is about two hours from Toronto. And then obviously where I live now, I still live in Ontario, but so, you know, the fact that he is a Canadian, uh, professor and, and whatnot, it was, uh. I think that maybe the algorithm on Facebook or whatnot, or YouTube, mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, uh, maybe suggested his videos to me. These were his very oldest videos with uh, <laughs> uh, the YouTube videos of just like his uh, lectures that were recorded. Awesome. So I, uh, my, my partner and I actually, like he would, I, I don't know who watched it first because you know, if your partner, oh, somebody shares a video, right? Uh, yeah. So somehow uh, that was maybe back in 2016 or 2017. Okay. So this was before before the controversy, before he blew up. So I was already, like, a fan of his. Like, I just enjoyed watching those videos um, because I found that just uh, just I learned so much. And I, I was uh, at piv- a pivotal age at that point. Um, like, I was just, like, uh, graduating high school what not, so it was very influential and a very uh good voice to have that I didn't have anywhere else, and I found it really interesting when it started when uh, it started being said in the public oh, that he inspires men and whatnot, and I'm like <laughs> I'm like oh, really like no, like come on, like I'm not a man, but okay, you know teach their own um and anyways, uh so yeah, I really it was very surprising to me when the controversy blew up uh because it was like, no, I don't think all these awful things of him. Like, you know, what was the uh,
0: controversy up there? Cause I, I know what I had heard, but I'm just curious what you're uh, thinking of.
1: Really? I think that the country, I think that that's when, so because I had already watched his videos beforehand, like I kind of, I just had a general um, impression of him and I just found, I found what he brought to the table valuable. Uh, and, uh, so the controversy was when, um, uh, The certain bill that was going to be released in Canada about the pronouns and uh the speech that just changing the not an expert on it but changing the rules of uh what you're gonna but the government will dictate that you have to say and whatnot.
0: He was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he had gotten into that, and that's where I had met Dr. Peterson like, not met him but listened to him, heard about him first, and um. I was curious. I, I never got to ask a Canadian about what the controversy was and if, like, he was kind of like just bringing it up the right way. I don't know why I would doubt that he wouldn't bring it up the right way, but that mm-hmm. did seem pretty crazy that he was willing to be like, I'm not going with like 38 different acceptable pronouns because mm-hmm. when does it stop? It almost seems like to me it was like, we're either doing all or nothing, man. Like, I'll accept they. I think there was a couple that he was like, I get, but mm-hmm. in a large part, You can't make me call someone like Zenith that has no like common sense to gender or identity. You can't just decide you're a deity and I will call you God and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's an interesting line to draw. And for him, the way he's able to argue, I don't know how you would like honestly condemn him with his logic.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I think, so the controversy from what I know, um, in Canada and just with my age range, you know, young adult and a lot of university, uh, students and whatnot, there was, uh, at this time, I really felt that the controversy of people just first, uh, seeing or being exposed to him through this, you know, one small clip of whatever he had said and, oh, that's offensive or, oh, this must mean that he is a, just judging right away, this must mean that he is a, uh, a uh, bigot or he is a, uh, like a <laughs> he's just a white straight anti-trans. male who is ignorant and just, uh, you know, these are the white straight men that we want to get rid of in society because they are, you know, not progressive and whatnot. So that was actually more so the way that I took it was that they were actually just judging, uh, they were just judging. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I suppose. Uh, That's the way I took it, that they were just judging that uh, the way that for just from this one small section of something that he had said, whereas I knew that you, there's more to uh, people and, uh, and just, yes, hearing his logic. It was like, no, that's, it's not about, it's not even about uh, the, the personal uh, conversation. It, it was just more, it was more about like the government as well, like the government, the, and the control. And, and uh, yeah, he's, it's just, the way that he argues, exactly. You can't, uh, if you actually listen <laughs> to what he's saying, then and understand, then it's like, yeah. How can you argue with that? Uh, you can only argue with it if I think, in my opinion, that you just uh, just don't take, uh, pick and choose what you want to hear, and just think, oh, he's a, a good and bad, right? The cancel culture that he, oh, he's bad and whatnot. So yeah, I think that my. Um, Uh, my previous experiences with like watching his videos and whatnot and understanding the controversy. It was like, yeah, no, I don't really think that of him, but I don't know him. Um, But I'm not just going to listen to what uh, the news is saying or people are saying. Uh, And then, yeah, he came out of it. So, and here we are. Now he's got the two books and it's just like, Whoa, like it actually kind of feels cool when you're like, you feel like you're like a fan uh, of somebody uh, for that long before they kind of blow up. And then, It's like, wow, now everyone gets to, we always just recommend it to people around us. Like, you got to watch these videos or you got to read these books. Like, it's just life-changing and profound and not to idolize him because he's a human being, um, of course, but just in general, I think that he really did fill a gap in our society, especially with young people. And we just didn't have that voice. uh, That, that, he filled that gap.
0: Do you remember like anything specifically you connected with? Or like a saying, it says, because even as we're speaking now, and I've probably listened to 20 to 30 hours of him talking, like on Rogan podcast, I follow him on his own podcast. I, I work out, I go for jogs, bike rides, clean the house, cut the grass, like I'll put it on and it gets deep. And I've tried to explain some of his points here and there about like what I connect with. And I'm left like flabbergasted. I'm like, I don't even, I, he's smart. He's good with words, but I'm like, I can't remember like one principle that sticks with me and not to like publicly shame you or anything, but I'm curious if you have something that you connect to, or like a a phrase of saying a mantra that, um, you think about when you think of him.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right off. I've never actually thought about that specifically. So the same, the same thing you just said, uh, where it's like, I think that uh, the, the biggest thing I do remember, though, and that that really made me listen, is just the way that he speaks It's like he, he's he, the way that he speaks. You can tell that he is he's knowledgeable. You can tell that he's passionate about what he's saying. You can tell that he cares. You know, it's not uh, it's it, it, I, I, I can tell that it wasn't like he just made this book uh, because he wants to be a famous author and make a bunch of money off of it. And oh, here, find the secret to how to, (laughs) how to make money, how to do this, how to do that. It was like, no, yeah, it came from, it came from an honest, like, I just get the sense it came from an honest uh, place in meaning, which he talks about, which I do actually hold on to that, the meaning over happiness. Hmm. And, uh, I have instances in my personal life and my upbringing and my family and without you know naming names and whatnot, but a lot of situations that played out that it was like, yeah, you know, I think that maybe the things would have been different if maybe meaning was the, the value that was held on to. If that makes sense over yeah. happiness, over uh, if, if maybe if maybe people in uh, certain individuals, if maybe they had had the knowledge, or that that uh, at the time maybe things would have been different or
0: Yeah, and I'm not I'm not trying to like set you up to make you talk about somebody in some unflattering way, but I had not heard meaning over happiness and I'm trying to understand like I get the happiness aspect, which is an emotion, but I don't understand the meaning part in that setting.
1: <sighs> yeah you know i think i think it does tie in with like delayed gratification too um if that makes sense like being able so there's so many things right uh i think that core values so if you know your own core values and principles like those don't really change you know if you really know yourself and you know those uh and then that's how you want to structure your life and that's the things you want to aim at which he talks about you, know, you have to be aiming at something it's just it's just a way to get the chaos organized you know, all all the things he says and and if you can uh, latch on to something that is uh, in line with some of your core values, and then pursue that and aim at that. That is something meaningful because, and then you're just going to be in alignment. Oh,
0: and, and happiness is a result because mm-hmm. you're feeling meaning within your life. Yeah,
1: God. and I think that the yes, but the happiness one that that does sound confusing because it's like, well, wouldn't you be happy if you're aiming at? Yeah. Your meaning and whatnot. So, I think that's where it gets a little bit complicated. But, um, I, you know, I'm viewing happiness in the way of um, possibly just thinking short sightedly or thinking maybe selfishly. Uh, and maybe it's not something that you're really aware of at the time. But when you think about it, if you really know yourself or you really think about it, you think about the big picture because we are all individuals uh, and we do live in a society that has been more about like I, 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 but we are part of a community and that goes back to some of my core values about uh community. So that's where I think, you know, you have, you have to think about others around you too. And yourself, like it's, it is a, it's a balance and that gets into a big space for me being a mom or every mother or parent, right. Every, yeah. uh, there's like, there's a a fine line between.
0: Well, I was even just wondering the fact that you have a three-year-old and you're like, you're the stay-at-home mom, right? So I'm thinking about just mothers that I've known and my daughter's mom's experience and like just seeing what they go through on a day and the irregularity of a schedule. I'm just thinking in my head, like, do you have time to like read deep books like this (laughs) to actually not just read them and like, say the words, read them, but like, get to like those moments where, all right, man, I got to take like five minutes and kind of think about this or like even have time to like write in the margins or underline when like you're hoping for like 10 free minutes just to like decompress, not to be like super stereotypical or misogynistic.
1: No, 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 not at all. Like that, that is totally true because yes, as a mom or as a parent, if you're home with young kids, like you, you just, you just that quiet time and that time to just be in your head. Like, I'm a very introverted person naturally. So that's just how I've always been. So I'm always like thinking in my head Um, and yeah, being a mom, that's actually been one of the harder things because it's like, I just need some, just some quiet. It's not that I don't love you. Don't want to be with you. I just need my own brain needs to catch up and get back centered or really to be able to absorb something that I'm reading or learning or conversation. Uh, It's very distracting for me to have the, the noise or, oh, constant every two minutes, right? Uh, oh, mommy this, mommy that. So that that is totally true. But the thing is, uh, like I said, uh, I was introduced to uh, Jordan Peterson before becoming a mother as well. So some of the ideas, you know, I had had enough time to really think on. Uh, but when it comes to the books, uh, 12 Rules for Life came out before I had my son, I believe. So... Yeah, I did get time to actually read it and whatnot. And this actually is a great example of um, the happiness and meaning. So uh, being a stay-at-home mom, as much as it can be hard and there's, you know, you know all the complaints, it's like, so am I happy being a stay-at-home mom? (laughs) Right? If, oh, I don't get to do this, I don't get to sleep in, I don't get to do whatever I want, I'm always being uh, bugged. <laughs> or what not, right? Well, Whatever we phrase it that way. Yeah, well, that, that's like, no, be... am I happy on the day-to-day? No, that I'm not happy. But do I have meaning? And then that meaning gives me happiness, though. Mm. Yes. It's just like the way of reframing it. So it's like, it's not that, oh, I have to uh, take care of my son today. It's like, no, I get to take care of my son today. And these are precious years and precious times and memories. And just like, it's just all the mindset flipping it. It's a lot of uh, the way that you... It's, there's been so much emotional and uh, growth becoming a mother because of this and mental growth because, it, and uh, and yeah, just not being a victim. I'm not going to be a victim to being a, a, a mother uh, and complain about it. Of course, everyone has their rough days and I've been pushed over the edge. Any parent has been pushed over the edge. So it's not about that, but it's just about the day-to-day, like being in check with your mental health and, and then seeing the beauty that is around and the joy and the meaning that's there. Because if you're not looking at it, if you're not aiming at that either, you're not going to see it and enjoy it. So that's where it's like, yeah, no, I want to um, be a mom that, uh, where I can look back and my son know that I was happy to be with him. So I tell him all the time, I'm so happy to get to be with you today. Because I know that not everyone gets to be a stay-at-home mom either. So it's just the way, the perspective and how you look at things. So it's like, yeah, I'm not the happiest right now day to day with uh not being able to sleep in or do these certain things that are very short-term gratification but long-term gratification i'm like so fulfilled
0: how much do you see like canada's medical system right uh, i don't even know if that's the right way to say it but like the in america it's kind of portrayed as like socialistic medicine right free medicine anything goes wrong you're taken care of you don't need insurance America most insurance is provided for by jobs. So like if your husband's the worker, then his insurance may be able to cover you, but that would be like extra withdrawal from his paycheck and maybe we can't get that. So long-winded way to say like, does living in Canada allow you to be a stay-at-home mom more easily? Or is it just Mm. like your life circumstances where you're fortunate enough to be able to do that and kind of have that single income household right now?
1: So, yeah, there's a, a lot to talk about I'm I'm there. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I know what I'm going to say. There is a lot. There's a lot with that. So when it comes to the medical system, personally, because of my experience with it, like I said, it's been five years on the wait list before getting yeah, a family dude, doctor. Yeah, was crazy when you. And said my son that. didn't have my son didn't have a doctor either. And when you have a newborn and your first time mom, and there's anything that ever comes up, it is I have to take him to the emergency room and sit in a waiting room. Where you know you're uncomfortable to, you're sitting in a public space or sick people around and you oh if you need to breastfeed you feel uncomfortable your baby's uncomfortable you could be there for eight hours <laughs> sitting there just waiting and then as soon as you go in oh it's your baby's fine it's not an emergency but there's no it is just treating obviously treating the most severe cases and immediate cases it's not it's not that care that you need uh, for wellness yeah uh, per se so yeah I don't I don't as a Canadian, as a young Canadian, I'm sure that people that are older or have medical conditions, like they're so grateful that they get uh, that for free. Of course, it's not free. We all pay taxes for it. But as from my, in my experience, I didn't have not felt that I benefited from the system until maybe just now. Like I'm talking last month, we got a call that we <laughs> have a doctor. So we've had one appointment and he's unbelievably busy. Every single doctor is so busy. So still, because there there just isn't enough doctors for the amount of people. So the whole system, it isn't perfect. Um, now, there's a lot to say on the government. There's a lot to say on that end. When it comes to me being able to be a stay-at-home mom, um, I'm, I'm fortunate that my partner is, uh, uh, he's, that he's a hard worker and that he is good values that way. So it's not that we come from uh, rich uh, families, but he's a very hard worker and he's been, he joined the military and that is a good stable income. And there are, it's a good stable income. You're not rich by any means, but it's a stable income where there is a community where you, there are more stay at home moms in Mm. the military community, I would say probably than average. And there's even more to it is because let's say every two years you're getting posted, you know, you're uprooted. Like there's just more, there's the woman does follow behind the career a bit more. The career comes first, obviously, in in that situation. So there's that part of it. But he also does have multiple uh, side businesses he is uh he is like he's always wor- he's always working. Um, he's he's great. So, yeah, uh, we're definitely impacted by the inflation. And whatnot of COVID right now, like Dude, a lot of people are. So it's kicking I'm my yeah.
0: ass as a teacher. Like our fucking gas prices have gone up. It's like $4.50 a gallon now, and it was $245. And all I do is think back to Biden having this speech like 30 days ago about he's tapping into these oil reserves and we're gonna help. And we got 10 cents down. We went from like 420 to 408. And then a month later it's like 445. You're like, what the fuck happened, man? Like how and that's a killer. Like I, every time I fill up my tank, I'm like, it doubled. So now my discretionary income, I just lost like $300 a month that I used to be able to spend. And I'm a teacher. So like, almost like your husband on a fixed, I'm assuming the military is pretty fixed. There's like a salary yeah. schedule. It's not like you put in a ton of overtime in the military or in teaching, like your job's your job. So you got to go out and find these side hustles to mm-hmm. supplement. And it really kind of sucks. To be yeah, a government yeah. employee during inflation times, man.
1: Every, yeah. I feel like everyone has to have a side hustle now. And like, that's exactly, that's exactly it. The salary's fixed. He has multiple side hustles. There's things he's had before. I side business to and side hustles. There's things he's had before COVID hit. Uh, he's very ambitious as well. So this is a part of his vision, but, uh, I, I even have side hustles now, especially since the gas yeah. are going up, I've had to, and, uh, because we're in the same position where the gas is absolutely astronomical here. And, uh, he has a commute to work. I think it was like, he's spending $20 a day on gas Stop.
0: and that's $20
1: Canadian. So, I mean, our gas bill, our gas has doubled, like, and it's still going up as of now. So at this point, then food goes up. So, I mean, uh, that is where my responsibility and my job and where I take from it is, uh, obviously I'm very careful with the groceries uh, now that the spring is here, I have a garden that's growing. It's going to take, or we can eat from it. Um, I'm very thrifty. We don't, we don't indulge. It's been, it's been actually a very long time since we've like been out to go to a restaurant or besides we did make, and we, I did go out for my birthday. So I don't want to, <laughs> uh, I don't want to lie. We did make that. He didn't, he made that work, but I just mean the lifestyle we used to have, yeah. uh, it's very different to what it is now. And it is, uh, it's hard. And I know that everyone's feeling it. And, uh, I think the scary part of it is it's like how far, how much farther is this going to go? Because we're already doing what, yeah, we're already doing what we can. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's a constant kind of tornado and stress behind the scenes and like just the not knowing, but just trying to prepare and, and it feels so
0: constructed. It just feels like there could, at least in America, the stock market's completely in the shitter. Everything costs more. So even if I had like this side hustle of stocks where I could depend on this savings that I had, all you're seeing is it dwindle for the past month and a half. And you're like, what is going, who's in control? And whatever you're doing, maybe you're making money on this situation, but uh-huh. I can't see us making money, just normal people who are on limited budgets. Like It's... Yeah. Yeah. It is it, it's, yeah, it's a, it's it, a very weird feeling. I thought it was just me because I'm like hitting forty, or I I'm M forty. I'm like, is this like a weird midlife crisis where all of a sudden I'm worried about like not having enough? <laughs>
1: you know? No. Like, yeah. No. I think it's yeah. Everyone's feeling it. Uh, I think there was a t- statistic that came out that it was if you're in Canada and you make more than three hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. <laughs> hi. hi. Oh. <laughs> hi. Hello, guys he gave you marshmallows oh wow you have marshmallows all over (laughs) oh wow thank okay well it's nice you go back and play with daddy okay okay mommy mommy will mommy will try and be done soon (laughs) I guess uh yeah yeah, it's so, uh, anyways, yeah, the, there was a statistic in Canada that, uh, if you make $300,000 or more per year, then you don't feel the inflation right now. Now, majority of people do not make that <laughs> or close Damn. to that. So that was, that's where it's like, I'm pretty certain that, uh, I, that pretty much everyone is feeling it. Uh, and I, I do have one friend that she does come from, uh, a family that does make, uh, probably that or more and this whole time she she hasn't felt a single change so there still are people like at all so when we when we when we have conversations it's very interesting because she's we have completely different perspectives it's like I'm like the world's burning (laughs) and she's like oh everything's great like you know there's no no concept of that and then but then after talking to me of course she's like yeah you know I guess that is, is right and and it's like huh so yeah, I think that that's something that, uh, but we all kind of knew this would happen too because of COVID. Like, uh, we haven't even seen the worst of it yet
0: God, I was hoping that from before.
1: what I, yeah. Um, from what I've heard, we haven't seen the worst of it yet. So we just all are kind of preparing. Right. And
0: yeah. In Delaware, it's funny. There's a bill that they're trying to give like everyone who paid taxes 300 bucks and you're like, how does that help that? Like maybe you should just stop taxing gas for a while. And give us that like 60 cents back per gallon on a use thing. Or I don't know, man, passive regulation where like instead of being so pro solar and it seems like it's penalizing the oil companies where their stocks are plummeting, figure out a way to like get them profitable. Or I guess they are very profitable, but like figure out a way to get them more productive, like incentivize. Um, Let me uh, actually, because we had mentioned side hustles, it was something I was interested in just instagram stalking you like you're a really good artist i clicked on your um the art business and what's the name of your instagram art business
1: so um i have Two as of now, because I have um, – I just side, side branched, made another side hustle on one. But my original one is Angelica Louise Art, and that's okay. just where I do like my own oil paintings and uh, take on commissions and drawings. And that's something I've done since I was a teenager. Dude, so that's like – that is one of my big passions and dreams and uh, there, meanings.
0: There and, were the, – the one that caught – the one that I like stop-stopped stopped, and like, nah, dude, let me check this out. It was like two dogs – was like a green background might have been labradors and the detail on it was extraordinary man and then like i'm seeing these bird ones that are getting posted and then like there's this moose that looks kind of trippy but like (laughs) with the tree in the background and the snowy and i'm like that's legit serious talent like it did you go to school to be an artist
1: Well, thank you very much. Um, honestly, no, I didn't do didn't do school. I am self-taught. Uh, it was really just a in high school that, you know, I've always, you know, I'm the story of most artists there where, you know, you just, you always love drawing as a kid. I spent hours drawing. And um, I guess that I would uh, at school probably win the, oh, my art would win the certain little competitions they do and whatnot. But, but I never took it seriously as I never thought that it would go anywhere or be an artist. I grew up in a home that was very much a, Uh, you should be a doctor or I had big, there was big uh, messaging on me being a woman and that we have all these options available and that you should shoot for the stars and being an artist wasn't shooting for the stars in, (laughs) in that messaging. So that just wasn't something I thought of. And then in high school, I, uh, that's really when I took art class in high school where that's where I was really inspired. And then I got introduced to all the mediums out there and what um, and then having access to YouTube, uh, I could learn a lot through other people, uh, again. So the internet, uh, YouTube has been, yeah, great uh, learning able, for me.
0: So that's where I fall off as a learner is like, I can see when people do it, but I feel like for me to get it, I need someone then to give me feedback on myself. Like I can't self feedback to get better. Hmm yeah that that yeah makes that, sense. that, yeah, it, it, that do, makes sense uh, It's amazing that you're able to because you yeah. look like you've gone to school for this stuff
1: oh thank you very much uh, that that is a very nice compliment to hear and honestly I think that when you picture uh, the way that I was learning and the style that I gravitate towards was more realistic I'm change I have a little bit I'm slightly you know changing my vision getting my artist's voice more in there now and into the future but I think that it's a little bit maybe easier to to learn when you're uh, when you have like, let's say a photo that you're trying to uh, get as real as possible. Cause it's just a visual cue. You can just bounce back and forth and I can see, and then you get to see it overall. Like, so there's a lot of, that's the feedback. The feedback is visual. Um, mm. so I can see it and it's, it is hard to critique yourself as well though too. Right. So there is a certain level of uh, having people around you that can give you honest feedback is very helpful.
0: Yeah. For me, it was uh, just like, figure out like, dude, I can't get shading on a nose or your Mm. knuckles look terrible every time you do a hand and like how do you get the line okay I see you're going like whatever half an (laughs) inch or like is it 30 degree curve or how am I holding the brush that's jacking this up like it was just so many variables to work through when I was like trying to self-critique I'd wind up like mind-fucking myself and it was like
1: oh so so you uh so you were interested in in art that no, you've my, drawn and...
0: my mom w- is a pretty decent artist. Um, she went to art school. Um, I think she only sold like one thing, but it was like she had like that natural, I don't know if it's natural because she worked at it, but it, it seemed natural. Almost like people who can play music and it's like you're just a natural guitar player and you don't realize like they sucked at some point.
1: Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so like
0: I, I don't know if I have just haven't done enough suck to like get to the good but it frustrates me and maybe it's that comparison thing of like my mom had this talent and she busts these things out and I've just not dealt with the suck enough.
1: Yeah. You know, that is such a good point. Uh, and I think that everyone's story is unique in the way that it works out. And I think that, uh, yeah, like the fact that when, when something is like a natural talent that you just have, that is, uh, not that not that i was oh uh, i have had to work at it of course and i still know where i need to improve and i still want to improve and grow and i do have my own critique in my uh in my head of course but just the fact that i know that i just had an inclination for it um and i enjoyed doing it and then it was like uh then i realized oh i'm actually pretty good at it uh so just having that you know starting point being a bit higher then. And then doing it over your teenage years when your brain's growing and uh, and you can really dive into it. Uh, I think that really helps. Uh, so yeah, in comparison, I totally get that it, it it's much harder to do something when uh, when you're really struggling with it.
0: How'd you like what was the first painting you sold or who like approached you uh, to do something? How did it kick how did it kick off?
1: So uh, let me think about that. so you know what it actually became at school uh because i'd be drawing you know for art class or whatnot elementary school and uh, then it would just start off with hey can you draw this or can you draw me like or can you draw my pet so that's where it started and then actually once i hit high school i started having a very i had had an entrepreneur entrepreneur in in my head just come out like well people are asking then why don't i try and sell these commissions um you know, I think that I can do it. And I talked to my art teacher at the time, I was in grade nine and she, she was amazing. She, she was a teacher that really loved what she did and was there for the kids. And I would stay, you know, later after school and we'd talk and, you know, I could ask her all the questions and ask her for her feedback. Uh, And I could also ask her, oh, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you price your art? How do you sell it? Like all these questions um, and networking. And then with YouTube again, like, so I just surrounded myself with people that I could ask questions to and resources and just was wanting to learn, learn, learn. And I'm just lucky, I guess, that it went in a positive rec- direction from there um, because then, you know, okay, the person liked their commission. Then I got another one, another one. And then, and then at the same time, working on my own uh, private artwork that then I would sell um, some oil paintings, just of not commissioned, just something I've made up or something I wanted to paint. So that's really what the, um, my art has been, Uh, Right now it's been a balance of commission and then my own uh, paintings. So I think that just, yeah, the people that I had around me were really uh, important because like I said, the family that I came from, that wasn't, I didn't have an artist in the family or someone that really maybe valued that uh, the same way as a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, your traditional uh, successful jobs. So I'm really lucky looking back about the community I had (laughs) again, going back to community is so important uh, and that teacher. And then I had another great teacher, art teacher in high school as well, that, yeah, I just, uh, and I had an entree, um, I had a, when I was 17, there was a, a grant going around to start a business, uh, uh, what was it called, summer company, so over the summer, maybe you have things like that where you are, uh, you just apply for it, if you have a business plan, and then they help you, you get to network with people, and it was, it was an amazing experience, and I'm so, again, lucky and grateful I had that, um, that was back in my hometown, and I made great connections. And I really got to live out my, my dream. It was amazing. Uh, I just never felt half Like I've never felt happier or more meaning too with, uh, when you get to just share your artwork, that's like sharing a piece of you, your soul and, uh, getting to meet people that came in from and just have a conversation. And it's not even, it's not about the, oh, uh, the praise. It was just, it was like coming from people. Oh, this is good. Or they love it. It was, it's more about the, the fact of being able to share like Hmm. for myself, and the fact that I could share and uh, someone can see it. And art is such an expression of like love, I think, um, and beauty. And it's just, it's just my, my thing, painting, drawing, like that's a, a I'm very creative minded that way. And I just being able to get it out physically like that and then share it. And also, The commissions—it's just—it's—it's beautiful when uh, you get to give someone that feeling of uh, of love as well, because the commissions are very important. They're normally, let's say, a pet that's passed away, a person, uh, something symbolic. Uh, I did just share uh, my newest painting, so you probably haven't seen it because I just shared it before our uh, our uh, meeting here, our podcast. And it was—it's the most symbolic painting and meaningful painting yet and i'm like wow like this just if you read the caption yeah it's like this this reminds me of why i love to do this too um because yeah the symbolism of oh the oak tree and the the dogs and the way things are and the way that you can express uh the mood and what the colors mean and i just i love art for that because it's so much more than just uh your go to walmart and the (laughs) oh random you know picture it's like no art, there's there's so much more to it. And I have so much more to grow as an artist uh, and finding my artist voice as I was uh, mentioning and networking with more people, especially COVID's been such a, you know, isolating yeah, thing. I uh, yeah, galleries. me and my partner, we tried to start up, we live in a smaller town now than where we came from. And uh, we started up a little Facebook group of like creative people in the area. And, you know, that's been great and there's great people around. It's a great community, but it's a small town. And also uh, because of COVID, we haven't had a physical meeting yet because, you know, respectfully so. Uh, certain people aren't uh, comfortable with that yet. So I, I'm very hopeful for the future that, uh, that I can make more connections and that uh, that's m- something I'm aiming at. And thank you.
0: Start a little Thanks artsy. for mentioning it. No, dude, it, it's so – to me, I looked at them as like regal. Not not like it's an outdated style that would you draw but to me it's something about the oil painting maybe it's just cuz I've watched so many movies of like the people in the 1700s sitting there posing with their like dress clothes on or like generals getting painted in that way but it it's I don't know man it's upper class it pops the detail to me was amazing like how did you get choose to get into oil that's a great question because yeah the
1: oil over because it if you were going to go with acrylic let's say you know it's uh it's a lot quicker and acrylic's great as well but there's like a magic to oil paint and that's why it stuck with it and that's uh and just to give you a quick example i actually right before our podcast today we have like a community uh thrift store charity shop whatnot and they put out free things every once in a while and I was just driving by on my way home and I saw this big painting I was like I have to go check it out and I go up close and it's an original oil painting because I'm telling you like they can't sell all the paintings that they get and they maybe don't know if it's real or not or there might be a small imperfection somewhere but I I can tell like which one is real and which one isn't so I've I've ended up with some really nice artwork uh so the one today was a real oil painting an original and it was signed and dated uh in 1989 Hmm. and And it, and I'm like, okay, that's not, you know, that old. But uh, when you're looking at a painting that it hasn't even been varnished, so it didn't even have a protective coat on it. And I can see it's so vibrant still. It does not look, it looks like I could have painted it yesterday and Mm -hmm. the vibrancy and the richness of the color. And now it's just, wow, that was just proof. Like that's what I know about the oil paints that they last. Uh, That's why you think of them as being regal because they are the paintings that have lasted test of time basically as long as you have varnished them properly uh and then they can get uh, cl- uh retouched uh, the varnish can come off and then it can get re-varnished again when the varnish on top gets dirty uh so it's like that's that's why they that's why they are special because it's uh it's something that's going to last longer than your lifespan so it's something <laughs> you could pass down because uh, you know normal prints they fade like the inks will fade at a certain point there are really high quality prints uh, archival prints that can last they'll normally say like 200 years like they'll let you know um and that's maybe second oil paint uh but yeah that's uh that's that's one part of it and another part is uh it was something challenging too uh so, something a little bit more challenging and something that uh, I call it making like little potions with the mediums because (laughs) you can use... thing in my head oh make a little potion it's not <laughs> not meant to be whatever anything <laughs> anything getting into
0: you know like putting witchcraft like witchy into the stuff yeah no <laughs> it's not hilarious. like that but
1: it's just like oh because it could because every artist uh, and it's fascinating every artist they had their own little mixture of certain oils and uh, turpentines and things that they would put in and they you know, add that to the paint it's like a medium and it gives it different effects and uh, we just call them potions because some of some some of them we still don't know to this day how the artist's had made it so it's just like a unique little signature and I'm still experimenting with different things Uh,
0: in order to get like just the right kind of shade or is it more like a texture shine yeah
1: yeah more like I'd say yeah there's all different uh there's all different techniques and that's what really gives when you look at a painting that's when you can really tell whose it is uh but yeah like uh the easiest way to explain it would be like let's say um like a glaze uh there's like glaze there's uh, Mediums that can glaze. There's mediums that can uh, make the paint thicker, make the paint thinner, and there's just all different combinations of those sort of things.
0: Gotcha. All right, man, well, I mean, well, I know you have a child, and I've seen you texting, <laughs> so I'm assuming yeah. that like stuff's yeah. going on, man. Um, uh, and jelly. getting a little, yeah. Yeah, no, dude. That's what three-year-olds do. They want their routines, <laughs> man. And I, I appreciate you, um, coming on. I really did not expect I would do. Tonight that I would have like almost an hour-long conversation about birth and pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) That was unexpected. But on it's like very, um, I don't know, man, like insightful just to remind people about like the mental toll that that can take and how to stay positive and encourage people like, hey, if you're around other pregnant women, like positivity is the key. (laughs) Hopefully they don't feel judged. Positivity is the key. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for scheduling out a couple hours to uh, let people get to know you, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Yes. Thank you for asking me and reaching out. This has been really fun and I really do appreciate it. And I hope that everyone listening, um, enjoys and, uh, does take the positivity away from it.
0: Gotcha. All right, man. Enjoy getting those marshmallows off of his mouth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you.
0: No problem. Great. Have a good
1: night. You too. Bye.
0: Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the getting to know you pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.